Greetings, programs. Just as promised, the third installment of our Tron arc has arrived. Now, join me one last time as we explore the grid. So get ready for the games, get ready for some hyperball, and hopefully by the end, we'll make it out in one piece. Because it's Tron, Volume 3. to a conversation for one podcast the podcast where i ramble on and discuss just about anything ranging from horror sci-fi multimedia film universes theme parks tv canadiana and so much more before we get started though i just wanted to give a shout out to a few different groups that may have stumbled onto this podcast let's start with my francophone listeners looking for l'association canadienne Française de l'ontario ou de ottawa as someone who is very much pro-canadian i just want to say that i'm happy that you made it also, I may have some audience members who are looking for the Association of Canadian Financial Officers. As I said, very much pro-Canadian, but other than movie stats or park audience numbers, you won't be talking a lot of numbers here. Um, but hey, you're human too, and I know you let loose once in a while, you got it right, so hopefully you give this one a listen. A few others I might be saying hey to for the first time include the Australian Catholic Film Office, Alexander Christian Foundation of Oregon, and Association of Camps Farthest Out. I have terrible news for all of you. Uh, this podcast is not Christian or religious-based in any way, but there is some good news. It's that I'm sure you all find something incredibly relatable, especially in these Tron episodes. Now that I've welcomed all of these new potential listeners, uh, as well as any other ACFO-type uh, podcast that you were looking for, as well as my five faithfuls, let me just say that I hope you all stick around for this episode, for future episodes, and heck, even listen to some previous episodes that you may enjoy. This episode will be the third chapter in my Tron podcast arc. That's one whole more chapter than Disney ever gave us. Well, kind of, sort of. After how long Volume 2 ended up being, I ran out of time and space to cover the remaining official Disney Tron canon. There's quite a bit, actually. I'm going to do my best to go through the remaining timeline and touch on most of the important details. I don't want to blow through these too fast, but I do have a lot to cover in this episode. So without wasting another cycle, let's jump into this bad Larry. Starting off chronologically with the next in line since Tron Legacy is the two-part graphic novel Tron Betrayal. Uh, this starts in 1983 and it finishes in 1989, in the story, not when it was printed. <laughs> now two things that need to be pointed out before jumping into this. First, I 
don't know how I've gone two full Tron episodes without mentioning this, but there is a prologue featured in this book. It's an 11-page retelling of the original Tron 1982. So again, I don't know how I forgot to bring this up, but if you had an absolute hankering for some more OG Tron, that's where you're going to find it. It's actually, for the most part, very beautiful. It's not like my favorite art style, but it gets the point across, and it's, it's a fun interpretation of the original source. The comic was illustrated by Jeff Matsuda, uh, which if you didn't know, uh, like I'm not going to pretend I did either, but he was the character designer for Jackie Chan Adventures, if you remember that show, or the, the very short-lived The Batman. Uh, both were very well made, but short-lived animated TV shows, like I said. Um, I myself was a huge fan of Jackie Chan Adventures. I caught that bad boy all the time when it was on. It was my, one of my faves. Um, but yeah, just to clarify, you can go find that. I, I I gave it a little extra detail here on this episode because I, I went two episodes without covering it. If you love the first Tron um, movie and Tron 2.0, yada yada, you're going to find a little bit more of that in there. But anyways, back to Tron Betrayal. Uh, just to clarify, if you buy the graphic novel, Tron Betrayal, you will get a very crisp, very well executed 11-page um, retelling of Tron. Um, it serves as a nice prelude or kind of like a prologue to the actual portrayal story, although you really don't need it, especially if you've already gone through everything that thus far, and that's just kind of an extra piece for you. Anyways, though, without getting too snobby or sounding like too much like NPR, let's get uh, let's jump back into this. The comic installment of the franchise Tron Betrayal was not actually a comic adaptation or graphic novelization of Tron Legacy. It's actually, in fact, a completely different. Uh, independent addition to the new Tron canon. The new Tron canon, uh, as I discussed in last episodes, uh, previous episodes, is um, like the old Tron canon was like the original Tron 1982, and then it was like Tron 2.0, Tron Ghost of the Machine. Really not important anymore. It's more for the diehards. Disney doesn't pay attention to it. Most Tron fans don't pay attention to it. The new Tron canon is basically everything that's happened um, like before and, and after Tron Legacy. So the video games, uh, the graphic novels, um, and uh, TV shows, and the, anything now that's going to happen after is canon, whether that's a reboot or whatever. Uh, fingers crossed it's not. Um, but this Tron Betrayal is a completely separate edition. Um, I know a lot of times, like, sometimes, like, for example, like Godzilla 2014 or, like, Pacific Rim uh, 2013, you'll get, like, a, a novel that is a bit of a prelude uh, you'll get a novel that is like a bit of a, like a puff piece side story or but a lot of the time especially with like uh, older movies and a lot of like video games it's basically like a retelling of the same story that you just watched or like um, are currently watching if it's a show and it, it, it's really it, it serves no purpose it's just like a, just to make some extra coin on the side I don't understand it but I don't run that business so yeah it's completely independent addition to the Neutron canon kind of um if you recall though from volume two I, i've brought this up um it is but it's also like not entirely canon while also still being like officially being a part of the series tron like the series is like one of those funny ones where like the fans uh feel like it's best to take it upon themselves to um decide for you what is and what isn't canon anymore because uh disney doesn't usually uh pay too much mind to it and it'll be like for example, like if Tron was like flipping a coin, like heads or tails, heads or tails, and then like something bad happened, and then like the show was like 
Tron like flipped the coin or like didn't flip a coin and didn't have any of that scenario before he like he started fighting somebody, they'd be like, well, show's not canon anymore. It's I don't know. I don't get it. It's like it's the same thing, but I'll, I'll, t I'll touch on that a little bit later. The Tron fans are not poisonous, but they're very not not arrogant, but I feel like they're like technical snobs in a sense. And I'm not shitting on the fan base. I get like this very much too with a lot of my stuff, but I'll be like, I was like looking through a lot of this and it'll be like, oh, well, so the Tron like series includes this, 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 and this. And then like on the Tron Wikia, it'll be like, but this is technically non-canon because there's like this point in the story and this point in the story where like scene is slightly different. Or it's like, this was never mentioned again. So it's like, it's non-canon. It's like, really? like really i don't know so tron betrayal it does it holds its own within the tron franchise it's it's actually really great uh it's got beautiful artwork inside um by andy tong and pete pantases 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 i'll just spell it out for you i'm hurting myself here p-a-n-t-a-z-i-s uh, and it's got a very interesting story by jay nitz uh, Jay, as I also believe, wrote the um, the prelude, the prologue with uh, for Tron 1982. This it's this guy's book through and through. Um, it's definitely worth checking out. The art and the coloring for Betrayal is absolutely gorgeous. Uh, and if the story uh, doesn't do anything for you as a Tron fan, the beautiful pages inside most certainly will. Uh, while this graphic novel isn't my favorite thing, like it's it's really not. Like I, I read it like maybe two or three times. I'm I couldn't find it for this episode. I had to dig through a bunch of boxes. Um, it, it does have some very cool elements within it. Uh, and they're very nice additions uh, and extra layers for the world that was already established within Tron Legacy. So if you're hankering for some more, this is like where you're going to get it. Um, for starters, we get a bit of a look into the grid before everything became somewhat dystopian, which I don't know about you, but I always love seeing a world while it's thriving after you were first introduced to it. Uh, first introduced to it after you see what it's become like a big one for me was seeing rapture um, for the bioshock games if any of you are familiar um, like seeing it looking and feeling alive and the like the dlc for the for i think it was inf inf infinite yeah for infinite i was thinking like oh there's so many games there's really not they haven't made any games since that but they had a dlc called burial at sea uh, and and you're like walking around in like the heyday like late 40s early 50s kind of feel even though i think it's like late 50s almost the 60s um i think the rapture civil war breaks out in like 58 or 59 if memory serves um but you see it all like alive people like tipping their hats at you like hey pal what's going on or like don't keep staring at me or like an apple for sale and you're like you're alive in it and you're feeling it this is all pre like ryan fontaine civil war <laughs> but that is an episode for another day. I could easily talk about Bioshock for a couple hours. Definitely going to be an episode coming up. Um, so yeah, I'm not going to let myself get carried away here. So you can see though in this book how, uh, how Flynn, Clue, and Tron interact. They work together as something of like a holy trinity. Like um, Flynn calls the shots, Clue makes sure it, it happens, and Tron keeps order. And they're all like buddy buddy. Like it's it's really cool to see. To be honest, um, they're relying on each other and being the best at what their purpose to do. Also, a um, little side note here, for any Laura or like Yori fans from Tron 1982, she makes her like one of her like only appearances in the Tron franchise after the movie. 
Uh, it's a very minor appearance in the book. Uh, she's detailing uh, basically why we'll never see her again. Um, she's in it just for a bit. It's not much, but she's in it. So that's kind of a cool thing to see. Um, the book is interesting as it points out how Kevin Flynn over time uh, in the grid becomes disillusioned with like reality, like the real world at times. He spends like a lot of time in there and it's, it's, it's kind of neat without sounding too much like a dork, but like you can see like how he has so much control over like this new world where like he can make things right. And then when he comes back to like reality, he's like distressed or like fed up or he basically like he acts outside like social norms, which ultimately gets him in like sort of like a negative light with like, especially with like board members and stuff who are like, I don't know why he's acting like this. Do you know, it's it's kind of hard to explain, but it's it's such a, it's interesting. It's it's definitely interesting for sure. He would spend like years within the grid, and then when he would come out, it'd only be like something like seven days in the real world. Uh, he he appears like unstable more and more as I was kind of saying, especially to the board members. Even like Bradley, like Alan Bradley has a tough time understanding him. He's just like, okay, Flynn, like yes, like you can do this, and I totally get why you're saying this, but you can't expect to change overnight. And he says like in one of the frames, like especially when you're dressed like a hippie, like <laughs> Flynn like comes to like the the boardroom basically wearing like uh, a parka and like a potato sack. Like he looks like gross, and he's just like, we need to sell all of our oil stock. Like the future is in technology and like keeping the world safe and or whatever, keeping the world clean. And they're all like, um, okay, but like that's like a lot of like incomes money. And he's like, I don't care. Oil's archaic, whatever, right? Because like in the grid, you don't need oil. Everything runs on computer or computers, right? And like seeing him get so disillusioned and like so like focused on like we need to make things right, we need to make things perfect. It is like a beautiful like. Um, like partner piece like what is it even called like um i don't know it it adds to it um uh how, how like clue operates like you see like clue in tron legacy he's just like a very like as i said like kind of like ho-hum like villain like things need to be perfect and blah 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 like you get his motivation but you're not like i'm rooting for you buddy um but like when you read this you're like yes like i totally get where like clue's coming from because like flynn constantly wants more he wants better he wants perfection and he wants all of that like times like 10 basically as the years roll on more and more, which leads to like another cool point. You will see how like um, in the book, you see how Clue was that spunky great program, you know, let me at him like in the beginning. And he's like trying his best to do his Flynn ass. But because Flynn was so unreasonable and irrational in his desires, Clue follows suit and he cranks that perfectionism dial to like 11 as we eventually see right in Tron Legacy, <laughs> assuming you guys are like following this like super niche dorky franchise as closely as i am so we see the introduction of the isos which i touched on a little bit on the last episode um and that introduction throws like everybody for a loop all the basics like the normal programs even flynn at first he's like um like this is not good uh clue eventually spirals uh out because of this he's like this is like far later down the line but we see flynn shows up a little less and less as like the as the story rolls on like coming to the grid he's like he's got his, his normal life his wife passes away i think her name was jordan and like now he's just got him and sam and he's got the company um and like he's like he's just going there less and less right there's other responsibilities that he needs to attend to and uh and clue ends up despising both flynn and the isos and it's not so much because he's a maniac, like what we get in Tron Legacy, but it, it's because he's a man. 
See what I did there? Not a maniac, but a man. Uh, but seriously, he's like a replica of Flynn, who was designed to keep the grid perfect, right? Well, Flynn was away. But with new programs, i.e. the ISOs, doubling capacity. Like seriously, like it's, it's basically like having like, I don't know, it would be like America's like doing fine. And then all of a sudden, like all of Mexico and all of Canada are like, hey, and we all like came in. So like an, like an extra like 100 million people just poof come right into America and they're like, what the hell? Like they don't know what to do, right? That's basically what happens here. Uh, and also too, when the ISOs, wherever the ISOs show up, it seems to, um, I don't even know really how this works, but they cause, um, and they're spreading like grid bug outbreaks throughout the system. And the grid bugs, grid bugs make things like super unstable. Uh, so stuff's not working right, yada, yada. And right uh grid bugs um well they're like kind of like mechanical looking spiders for those that are new to the tron universe i do this so much with everything like godzilla universal monsters i'm like and then obviously like he would have to do this like pushing up glasses but it's like i'm i always forget like you guys won't know everything um so yeah they're kind of like imagine like um mechanical looking spiders um they've got like four or six legs depending on uh on what variation you're, you're watching them on and um yeah they're kind of mechanical looking and they and they don't have like any head or anything they just like move um they travel in large swarms and they cause massive glitches and outages within the grid uh, and disrupt system activity so they're like very harmful they'll like they'll destroy your light bike they'll like destroy roads they'll destroy buildings like circuitry won't work i think they'll even like destroy you realistically and uh, they've been seen in most of the tron canon with the major exception actually being tron legacy they don't show up in that at all but they're in uh Tron, uh, they're in Tron 2.0, which we don't talk about, the, the Black Sheep, um, they're in the the video game, I think all the video games actually, and uh, they're in the show, Tron Uprising, which we'll talk about all of those a little bit later. So yeah, back on track. That's why Clue eventually loses it, uh, he feels abandoned, he feels taken advantage of, and he's tasked with something he feels is growing more and more impossible with each day. I think like that's something we can all relate to, which is nice, it's too bad that it had to be in a graphic novel to see that, but it's very cool like characterization. Another cool thing though about this book is that it shows Flynn's home life. As I was saying, focuses on the wife we've never seen, Jordan, and it shows how uh, how into his family he was. Like I said, he's showing up to the grid less and less as Sam's in there, Sam's like his world. The major reason to get this book though is for Tron, like Tron, the character Tron. Not only does he have almost this like very brooding neo-noir like detective type story arc in this, which is like crazy because like this is a Marvel comic published by Disney Press meant for like teens and it's like very dark. It's not like shadowy, but he's just like he's taking a drink after he just like derez like four ISOs and he's just like another day another dollar but he you know what i mean like he doesn't actually say that but that's basically what it's like there's lots of great art there's like full single pages just of him like disc in hand like derez like voxels like coming off everywhere it's like a thing of beauty like like kiss the fingers like italian like oh mozzarella you know i don't know Unlike some other media entries in the Tron franchise, I'm looking at Cough Cough, almost every one of them, uh, this collected graphic novel um, is still readily available and relatively cheap, ranging from like $12 to $16. So if that's something you like, maybe go pick up a copy. Otherwise, you didn't hear it from me, but I'm sure you can find a PDF of it somewhere and download that. Keep in mind, as I mentioned previously in the last episodes, this book is as I said, like not canon, but technically canon. And it's it's simply for these two things. The epilogue of Betrayal, 
does overlap slightly with the beginning of Tron Legacy. So if you're a smart person, which if you're listening to this, I'm assuming you are, I'm sure you can like dictate what you like and what you don't like and what works and what doesn't work, right? Figure it out. Otherwise, right? I don't know. And the events of the 2010 video game Tron Evolution, which again, we're going to talk about in a little bit, uh, which Clue uh, moves against the ISOs and Kevin Flynn. Uh, so we'll see a few more overlaps of this, that scene, like in particular, uh, as well in Tron Uprising, especially. All right. Yeah. So in that book, though, so much Tron. Oh, my God, so much Tron. So like other than Tron 1982, you really don't get a lot of Tron. So maybe go pick that up. Maybe look into it. It's worth it, I think. Next on the list is Tron Evolution colon Battle Grids. Uh, this is a spinoff to the next gen title, Evolution. Um which was available for, I think, so Tron Evolution Battle Grids. There's one for the DS, which has a slightly different story. I didn't play that. I think I sold my DS at this time. Uh, this one here, Tron Evolution Battle Grids, was for Nintendo Wii. Um, it is the spin-off title to Evolution, as I said, which was available for PS3, Xbox 360, and PC. If I, I think, yeah, that was like six-generation console, right? So real quick, though, uh, before I go into that, I'm just going to take a break um, for a second just to tell you about this this episode's sponsors um, this episode is brought to us by the good folks at outro apparel you know them you love them this top of the line startup clothing company not only sells high-end clothing and accessories but with every single purchase you make 10% of it goes directly to mental health research Canada that's mental health research Canada to provide support of mental health and awareness so if you want to look off the heezy fresh and help a worthy cause go check out outroapparel.com. Also, I'd like to mention Mr. Chad Nelson. Chad, as you'll remember, who goes under the pseudonym Kuvmo, Kuvmo, I still can't say it, Q-U-V-M-O-H, he donated the very rad and the very rare Flynn's Arcade coin to me after I put out uh, Tron Volume 1. You can listen to his rad tech-focused podcast on the community site Hacker Public Radio under the ID 110. Thanks again, Chad. I'll be forever grateful for that donation. Uh, I'll make sure I provide a link to both of these lovely plugs in the show notes. Back to Tron Evolution Battle Grids, which I'm sure you guys were all super hungry to hear about. I remember getting this installment in the Tron universe rather late, um, like at least compared to most other entries, um, simply because I was under the assumption that it was like a lesser port of a game I'd already played. That usually was the case with most like Wii games, right? Like Call of Duty Modern Warfare, like that game came out in like what, 2004? 5 2006 and then when the Wii got it it was like a watered down version that was missing tons of like stuff you know that's usually how it was because like Nintendo Wii for as like groundbreaking as it was in a certain sense the processing power was still like GameCube where everything else was a step above but once I found out that it was something completely separate and original I didn't hesitate to track down one of these bad Larrys so I found one at my local EB games um Actually, uh, being the uh, Nintendo Wii diehard that I was back then, I had no problem spending all the hours it took to beat this, which admittedly wasn't all that much, um, because despite what I used to speak out against with the Wii only being for kids, which I didn't ever feel was a fair assessment, like there's tons of cool games like No More Heroes, Mad World, The Conduit, just to name a couple, this game was very much designed for a somewhat younger audience, not for kids, like it's not like Disney Infinite or whatever, um, but maybe like 12 year olds or like 14 year olds like it it wasn't like crazy hard or or dark or anything right it was fun though it was fun though uh and absolutely crushing if you didn't perfect things because again it 
is on the easier side. So if it was just like, you need it five stars or five discs or whatever the rating system was and you got like four and a half because you missed it by like 10 points and it took like 10 minutes you're like son of a f and then so that that you know that's a little crushing when you don't perfect things that are blatantly easy but anyways that's a bit of my own personal nitpick there was a lot to love about this game um the light cycle challenges were extremely satisfying uh the use of color and a bit of like cell shading graphics mis mixed with the motion control of the Wii remote made you feel like you were involved in something great like playing evolution as i'll talk about like later in evolution you 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 can control the light bikes and stuff and it's with the joysticks and it works well and it feels great it's more more or less like you're in the movie but when you're playing with the wii remote i know it sounds very corny and very much like i'm pitching the wii like back in 2005 but it feels like you're in it more like it's it's closer to the light bike you're moving it with the Wii remote and it, it's actually very fluid. Like it can be choppy too. It, it gives you the um, the option, like if you click the D-pad, um, you can like move it like old Tron 1982 sharp, like 90 degree edges, or you can move it wavy like Tron Legacy. It's very, very cool. The game also brought back Tron 1982 favorites like Hyperball. Uh, Hyperball, if you'll remember, uh, was the game played to the death within like the rings um, in Tron 1982. It's similar to like Highlight or something like that. Um, the game itself, like Tron, um, I almost said Tron Betrayal, Battle Grids, isn't amazing. Like, it's not. Like, I am one, as you guys, most of you will know, um, to see, like, the good and, like, the dog shit. But it, it's not amazing. It is very fun, though. It's playable. Uh, that's about it. The story is pretty neat. Uh, it takes place in 1988. So while not truly adding anything in the grand scheme of things, uh, it provides you with some insight into the utopian grid, again, uh, before the purge ravaged the grid that we see later in Tron Legacy. The game follows a male ISO, uh, a, oh, a male ISO games combatant. So ISOs being like the new um, type people in the grid of your choosing. So you get to like, change his hair, change his skin color, his height, his wardrobe. Uh, I originally thought you could change the gender, um, but looking into the game just a quick bit before I like put it on here, um, I see that you can essentially change everything but the gender, so that's kind of poop. But I mean, if they write the story completely for a male protagonist, then I guess it kind of has to stay a male protagonist, but anywho. In the game, aside from seeing some familiar faces along the way, like we do see Korra, voiced again by Olivia Wilde, very nice touch. We see Tron, voiced by Bo uh, Bruce Boxletter. Uh, we see Flynn, not voiced by Jeff Bridges, it's not a huge shock, and we see Zeus. Um, it's also where we meet a character named Gibson, uh, who will be semi-important moving forward in the series. And I, I use that loosely, semi-important, because he's the series after Tron Legacy just kind of snowballs into nothing. But he does play a Big part, pseudo semi-ly. I don't know. I'm digging a hole here. So his role in the game is that he rescues you and he brings you to his little makeshift community of survivalists. Uh, Gibson's color is green as opposed to like the common blue, yellow, orange, or white. Uh, and they operate as outsiders, not wanting to be involved with any grid-type normalities, which is kind of neat, um, but we don't see a whole lot of it within this title per se. I'll talk about Gibson a little bit later though, um, but that's it essentially for Battle Grids. It's a little fluff piece uh, in which if you win, you'll be the first ISO games champion. Uh, you give a little bit of hope and uh, you become a hero to all ISOs on the grid evidently. Um, somehow this game is no longer canon also, um, but with most things in the series, 
it's probably due to some minor oversight from the creatives behind it. I don't think it was intended as something that would shatter the Tron universe by any means with its entry, but some people are just sticklers for details, and that's just how it goes sometimes. So if you guys want to try this one out, I don't see why not. It's not going to hurt anything. It's kind of a fun game, especially if you have kids, you want to get them into the Tron world. And if you still have a Wii, that's kind of important because this game definitely is not getting a re-release. Uh, moving forward, though, uh, is where we'll get some of the real, real meat and potatoes. I don't know what I was doing there. Real. I don't know. So moving forward, though, is like the heavier stuff. Um, so just a warning, these next two entries in the, in the show are going to be a little more content heavy. So I'll try to keep it loose, try to keep it interesting, but if you want to pause, maybe take a little snack break, have a little bathroom break, now would be the ideal time. Otherwise, guys, let's jump into Tron Evolution. A war is coming. This was not by design, but you are. Your mandate is to protect the system. You will have weapons. You will have skills. Welcome to the GRID program. I remember when they announced uh, this game, Tron Evolution, uh, there was like literally so much hype for it, especially in the Tron community. The idea of being able to race around or interact with the world of the GRID that we had only just seen in trailers at that point uh, was a huge deal. Yeah, like this game actually came out about 10 days before Tron Legacy premiered in theaters. So like no one even, like no one knew if they were gonna like the movie or not, they just knew how amazing it looked and they were like, yes, this game looks f like incredible. Caught myself on a swear, didn't swear yet. So this game actually um, had a massive box edition of it and it came with this giant light cycle figure model. Um, it was big, it was pretty big, it was a big box. And me and that best friend that I've spoke of in the last few episodes tried to get our hands on, on everything Tron, like from even like a Mad Cat's like Tron controller. But that version of the game always eluded us simply due to the price. So that's one thing I never quite got. Being in high school, as I'm sure you're all aware, doesn't leave many with boatloads of disposable cash. So suffice to say, I only picked up the standard edition. It did come with some DLC, but it was just the standard edition from HMV Games, if you can believe it, which is such a dated sentence. Yeah, I don't I don't know how many remember that HMV even used to sell games. They had like a massive section of their stores just designated to games, and apparently even some separate stores at, the, at one point just for games, although I never actually remember seeing any of those, just kind of what I saw when looking up some stuff. And for those that are very, very young, HMV was one of the best music, movies, and media franchise chains around. 
But sadly, just a couple of years ago, they filed for bankruptcy in Canada and they closed down every single store and taking the $500 worth of points that I had accrued since I was in grade nine with them. I'll never not be bitter about that. Anyways, anywho, uh, back to the game. Evolution tells a story of a program named Anon, um, like Anonymous. Uh, he's, a system, he's a system monitoring program created by Flynn to give assistance to Tron uh, with all the growing rising tension between the programs, uh, programs like Basics and ISO's pre-purge. It basically gives, like the game is basically Anon's perspective of how the grid changed from utopia to dystopia, like overnight, like essentially, like it took a while, but basically that's what it seems like leading up to the events of Tron Legacy. Everything is either like pre or post Tron Legacy now and like the event, like Tron Legacy is like the main catalyst for all of them. And basically it's how, it shows how Flynn became imprisoned uh, in the grid. The game starts with uh, video footage, like um, a recording of Kevin Flynn, who's discussing the existence of the ISOs, the isomorphic algorithms, a group of programs uh, with a measure of free will uh, that have emerged spontaneously on the grid, as we've spoken about, and uh, are disliked evidently by basic programs. But as you'll see, it's it's through a lot of like propaganda, like under the table, like um, spreading of lies, as well as like setting them up to fail. You'll see a lot of that by Clue. One of the programs, Jalen, uh, who was a leader of the ISOs, recently died. And Flynn, he's no dummy after all, suspects the murder was organized by Clue. So your job in the game, basically, as Anon, you play as Anon, is to um, assess the situation, uh, to find um, Tron, and to basically come to a conclusion as as to what happened and basically figure out what clues up to with like without being too it's clue you know like putting your your fist down kind of thing like you have to it's an adventure game though it, it would be better if it was like a an over-the-shoulder type um action adventure like similar to like la noir or like yeah la noir because la noir doesn't give you like full reign like freedom like grand theft auto but instead this game goes with more of a um like a parkour adventure game similar to like Prince of Persia or Assassin's Creed, which makes sense. 2010, those games were still highly popular. Um, it's just a bit of disappointing that they went with that route, but it works out pretty well. Okay, so things get a little heavy here and, and well, kind of plot specific with characters I've honestly never mentioned before. Um, so hang tight and don't let go. I'm going to do my very best to fill you in being as close as I can to a Wikipedia entry as possible. Okay, so we've covered this. You're playing as Anon. Tron intercepts you, and the first thing you're going to do, um, or see really, of importance starts with Radia, uh, who now, uh, her own kind of independent program, uh, she no longer goes by the name given to her in Tron Betrayal. Okay, so basically she was the very first ISO that emerged, that appeared. Um, I know, <laughs> kind of a big deal uh, for me to skip over, um, but I'm covering it now, so that's that. So Radia, formerly Ophelia, is one of the leaders of the ISOs. She's heading a formal ceremony to make her a system administrator alongside Clue. So it's kind of like a peace thing, right? Because Clue operates as the head of the basics, and I guess uh, Radia is going to ascend to being an equal in Clue's eyes of the ISOs, kind of bringing like a unification with rising tensions. So Tron asks Anon to guard the ceremony, but finds a, 
a suspicious female ISO, Cora, who we all know, uh, and uh, who tries to talk her way past the guards. And so obviously Anon follows her being a security program. The ceremony is disrupted by a virus program, ooh, by the way, which is like bright yellow. Um, so like Clue is kind of like an orangey yellow, but not orange. And this is like a bright neon yellow. And um, this, uh, Anon intervenes uh, and he fights off Abraxas. Uh, and he damages Abraxas' identity disk, uh, which makes him leave. So Clue says that there's flaws in like the new ISOs and suggests like that's what he is, and like all of those ISOs will become like that, you know, kind of like fear-mongering. Uh, we've got to protect the basics from ISO-type stuff. So Tron, seeing this, suggests Flynn leave the grid for his own safety. And it's kind of like at this part. So during this battle, um, this... Um, Anon sees Flynn and Tron being ambushed and killed by Clue. That's this main scene. So that kind of served as like a bit of a diversion. Um, so like Korra and Anon leave and they see, at least I'm pretty sure Korra is with Anon, um, and they see like this main scene. So it's like the Adiago for Tron or whatever in Tron Legacy. We see the same scene in Tron Betrayal. We're gonna see the same scene again in Tron Uprising. It is basically like the crucial scene. This is like, like the Order 66, I guess, of like the Tron franchise. This is like the scene that turns everything around uh, for the current Tron franchise. Uh, so yeah, Anon sees Flynn and Tron being ambushed and killed, I'm using air quotes here, by Clue and his guards. Um, oh, maybe not. Maybe Anon finds Korra after. She saw it too. I don't know. It's been a couple years since I've seen this. Like I've looked up a lot of the stuff, but I don't want to read like a Wikipedia for verbatim like onto the podcast but they they're on the same page um so so um they go visit zeus at the nightclub the end of line nightclub that i talked about in um, volume two uh which serves as like a haven for the isos kind of like what i was saying like zeus um i guess caster i guess yeah i guess he was caster is he he's caster now but he used to be zeus um kind of like just changing his identity he, he's like he knew Korra, right Korra, like yeah you gotta go see um zeus zeus will help you um i guess she didn't know that like he goes by caster i don't know so they go um and zeus gives them solar sailor access uh so that they can go warn radia of uh what happened and what they believed happened like you know like you need to be like warned i think actually even like when they go to like see radia like clues there and he like gives her like a load of bs like yeah, we got to be careful. We got to work together, yada, yada. Like, I'll, I'll put a lot of my guys in this, like, ISO territory so uh, so you guys are safe. But, you know, like, he's like, I'm going to have a lot of guys here so that when I want to kill you, it'll be easy, right? And I'm pretty sure Anon and Quora are, like, watching this, and then they go down. And, like, it's kind of interesting. Like, they don't really touch on this so much in Tron Legacy, but, like, a lot of the ISOs, especially in, like, the video games and um, the graphic novel, they have, like, special abilities, I don't understand really how that works, but I guess because they are from, they are made of the system, they have kind of like a weird like avatar, like Navi, like connection to it where they can do whatever. So they go down to say like, yeah, like Clue's corrupt. He killed, he killed like the user. He killed Flynn. Uh, like you can't trust him, yada, yada. And she like reads their minds, Cora's mind maybe specifically. And is like, oh my God, you're right. And like also knew that she was there like eavesdropping through the meeting the whole time. And then uh, I guess Radia like says like, well, actually Flynn wasn't killed and he was rescued by an ISO named Gibson. Gibson, ba-da-boo. you know, Gibson, he's the one that I was talking about from uh, Battlegrid. God, I just talked about it. I think it's called Battlegrid. 
But uh, so yeah, Gibson rescued Flynn. He's not dead. So I guess after that whole scene where like, you know, he's like Tron, he fought for me. I guess when like Flynn's running away, he's intercepted by um, by Gibson there. So then eventually Anon rescues Gibson from the game grid. Oh yeah, let me talk a little bit about Gibson. So here's something here. He's not like a huge deal, but it's kind of neat because you'll never see something like this again. So, cause I told you I'd talk about him. I'm gonna talk about him a little bit more. So Gibson emerged from the sea of simulation, just like every other ISO. Right away, he was assigned to the grid um, engineering with system utilities shortly after emergence where he began quickly excelling in developing innovative energy transfer systems none of that's important it's not a big deal but here's the kind of the cool thing here he's really good at his job he's smart he's he's like making new things his basic colleagues um and co-workers uh are like constantly like violent or confronting him out of like xenophobia jealousy just because like he's an iso right so all of the basics are of the same mindset it's like a very much a race thing so he's like, all right, I'm not dealing with this. He's super smart. He's like, now he has a grudge against like basics and he doesn't like the grid. So he leaves and he joins an ISO only faction known as the Bostromites. That's kind of like the survivalist faction that I was talking about. They're not really given a name from what I remember in the Wii game, but they're called Bostromites. Uh, he rises quickly into a position of prominence within them and even becomes like a part of the governing council. So here's kind of the cool thing. I completely forgot about this, to be honest. So Gibson, like I said, rescues Flynn, right? He's like, oh shit, the user's still alive. That's the kind of the cool thing. The ISOs and the basics alike are all like the user, right? Even though the user didn't create the ISOs, he created the grid. So like, they're all like, he is the head. Like we cherish this guy. It's not until later where the basics are like, like Flynn like abandoned us. Cause that's, it's like fear mongering. It's like hate propaganda that like Clue has like pushed out. Again, that's like looking really deep into a very basic um, timeline of, of the series. So anywho, he rescues Flynn and he brings him to the Bostrom colony. So Bostromites, Bostrom colony, which is this whole other thing. Like I said, they're, they're in Tron City, right? That's like the main city of the grid. That would be like, I guess, I don't know. When you think about America, I guess that would be like the New York City. That's like the, the main one. Like everybody will argue their city's the main one, but most people think of America, they think of New York right that's kind of how that is there's other places but just seeing the Boston colony it's kind of like makeshifty kind of like woodsy but like obviously not woodsy right because it is um the grid there's no trees but it's kind of neat but eventually like Anna goes to res rescue gibson to figure out where flynn is he has to like fight his way out yada yada and then basically gibson like sacrifices himself to save our main protagonist anon uh i guess abraxas at some point Oh, just a little thing. I did say I played this like years ago and I don't know if I ever finished the game to completion, which is not because I wasn't a huge fan of the series, but more so of the gameplay. And I ended up just watching the scenes eventually, if I remember correctly, like the last like 30 minutes of cutscenes that I didn't finish beating. I really should finish it, but now I'm just, I'm strictly reading from multiple websites here and just kind of hodgepodging this together. So Abraxas um, makes an appearance uh, and he's going to basically like derez these characters, but Gibson being the ultimate hero of the ISOs knocks Anon out of the way and Gibson's eventually corrupted and he begs basically Anon to attack him. He like wants him to attack him and then Anon does and Gibson is like, thank you for killing me. And he turns to a force ghost. 
that's not how that happens, but yada yada, I'm going to skip a lot of this. Yeah, so Gibson, pretty cool character. Right, anyways, so without going into like every single detail, like, and then Anon walked into a corridor, and then Anon looked at like this, and then Anon, I'm just going to skip ahead a little bit here. So Cora and Anon, after this whole debacle with Gibson, and like figuring out that Flynn's alive, uh, they once again secretly observe yet another meeting between Clue and Radia. Abraxas arrives, and Radia realizes that he was once Jalen, the, the member that I had mentioned before, one of the head ISOs, and that Clue had actually corrupted this guy. He did this, like Clue, it's actually kind of smart, but like basically like if you want to rise to power, you have to create the issue that you're going to solve, right? So that's exactly what he does. He takes one, one of their leaders, Boohoo, like one of the ISO like leaders is gone, kill their morale, also corrupt him, right? Make him kill a bunch of the ISOs and corrupt a bunch of the ISOs. So then the basics are like, wow, so the ISOs are all viruses. They're going to like get us all, right? So that's two birds with one stone. And so he created um, basically the pretext for the destruction of the ISOs. And so Abraxas kills Radia and she like is open to it. And uh, she like bursts into this like beautiful thing of light, which like clues like chattered about. He's like, I wanted her to be corrupted too. But nope, she's like this like beautiful like martyr, this last beacon of hope for these ISOs. Eventually, uh, Anon finds Flynn, uh, who, and then, Anon like is talking to Flynn and Flynn's like, okay, like I wrote you for a reason. You've got like a new job to do. This is like crucial end of the world type shit. Uh, so he modifies Anon's disc uh, with the Abraxas shards that he found, you know, at the beginning that I was just mentioning. Again, I know it's a super plot heavy. Hang in there. We're about to get into some lighter stuff, but this game is like just shoving like it's shoving like 20 pounds of like content to a five pound bag, if you get what I'm saying. Um, and so he, he, Clue updates his stuff. He goes from being blue to white, which is like, if you know anything about the Tron franchise, it's like only like two characters have that. It's usually a color for the users. It's like for like the elite. And uh, he's like, you need, no matter what happens, you need to rescue Korra. She, she's like the last of her kind. And like, she holds more importance than like you'll ever know. And currently she, if I remember correctly, she's either with Clue or she's on like one of Clue's like warships. Like he's, she's like a prisoner. Cause like, I think Clue realizes the importance of her. It's also probably too why in Legacy, well, well, I'm sure like Legacy paid no mind to this. This is definitely a workaround for the movie. He doesn't like instantly like offer. He's like, oh wow, you're a rare bird, right? And just like pay attention to like the speech I'm about to make. So anyways, in the game, uh, Anon basically destroys Abraxas. And then he goes to like uh, rescue Korra. Uh, the ship's exploding, and this is directly from Wikipedia now. You're just gonna listen to me to read. Anon dives off the side of the ship and grabs onto a recognizer. The blast from the explosion malfunctions, the recognizer causing it to fall. When it hits the floor, Anon and Korra are thrown to the ground, but the recognizer is still tumbling towards them. Anon throws Korra out of the way, following Flynn's last command to protect her at all costs. The Recognizer then crushes Anon, derezzing him. Korra then wakes up and sees Anon fading under the Recognizer, watching him derez in front of her. Alone in the middle of the wasteland, she collapses, expecting to run out of energy and derez. Just when she thinks all hope is lost, she opens her eyes and sees the creator of the grid himself, Flynn, standing above her, and he recharges her energy. Clue survives to rule an iso-free grid, and Flynn and Korra are outcasts. She reflects on how both Flynn and Anon saved her, right? And then she also says that in Tron Legacy, which is kind of cool. I was reading about this like a couple days ago. 
And uh, well, actually, I was reading about this when I was recording Tron Volume 2. But when she's talking to Sam in the movie, which oddly enough, this is like a bit of a nitpick. Like Sam is in no other stuff. He shows up in like Disney Infinite or Infinity or whatever as like a downloadable character. But he's not in the game. I think he might have been a skin for the game maybe. But he's not like in any of like the other games. He's not going to be in in Tron Runner, which I'm going to talk about again. He's never mentioned in Tron Uprising. He's not in the book aside from being like, again, I get it's prequel stuff, but it's just like, did he not sign on for like likeness? Because I feel like Olivia Wilde was on for every single installment after Tron Legacy, like everything, her likeness and her voice. She did her voice like a lot of these actors. They just had like Fred Tascatore, like do all the voices. That guy does like everything. But anyways, in Tron Legacy, what does she say? Like a program uh, saved me or something like that uh, on this when they're on the solar sailor. And then it's like, oh, like, did they make all of that just from that one line? It's, it's crazy that the stuff they can come up with when they're storyboarding. But yeah, that's that's what happens. So it gives like a different interpretation and it highlights how Clue Mastermind like pinpointed the plot. Two birds, one stone, getting rid of the ISOs, which again adds to the Tron betrayal. Like you're listening to a dork like talk NPR style about Tron, like to like the 30 people who are like, yeah, like this is for you. Like Tron betrayal, like talks about how like Clue is just like, basically snapping under pressure like can't make it can't make it work like he's trying his best and then it shows like how smart he is because he is essentially like a copy of flynn like as i talked about before flynn's like somehow like this computer god so like if you have that instill that type of genius into a program i.e clue it's not impossible for him to think about doing this right he like masterminds a whole plot and like orchestrates it in like one cycle like one to two cycles of the grid right which is like 14 days, real, real world. It's unreal. And like just these little things add to it. The fact that they had to make a book and a game and they couldn't put that in the movie is a bit mind boggling, but it is what it is, right? And so, yeah, that is Tron Evolution. I know that was a bit of a earful. The game itself, um, again, isn't. it was released through uh, Disney, Disney Interactive, uh, which is no longer a thing. Uh, anytime Disney does video games, it never usually works out. Or they're like, hey, you're a great developer. Uh, why don't you work for us? And then uh, we'll buy you immediately and then dissolve you. So not only is the publisher not around, but the developers for like every, I think Propaganda Games made this. Basically, anytime Disney like had touched you, like they dissolved you. Uh, so there isn't a developer, there isn't a uh, publisher. These games are never going to get a re-release, but you can find them on PlayStation 3, Xbox 360, and PC, which is probably the best bet for most people. It didn't do amazing, like amazingly well. Uh, basically, it's between like 5 and 7 out of 10. So it's very average. Um, but if you want more story, that's the one to do. Uh, that's the one to do. That's the one to play. I remember saying before that Joseph Trapanese, I thought, did the music, but it wasn't. It's actually composed by Sasha Dikitian, a.k.a. Sonic Mayhem, as well as Chris Velasco of God of War and Kevin Manthe. So I've never heard of any of these people, but they did a great job. It sounds kind of like generic um, discount Daft Punk, to be honest, but it works um, because the Daft Punk soundtrack was amazing so to just have something that even resembles that works really well uh, there are two tracks in it derezzed and the grid they were composed by daft punk and they play kind of frequently but not too much and 
I don't really have too much more to say about it. It You can watch all of it. I would recommend that, to be perfectly honest. Like, this game is important. It serves as a precursor to Legacy, as I said, and it's a sequel to Betrayal and uh, to Battle Grids. Um, but you can watch, like, all the cutscenes and, like, some of the, ama- the important parts of the game. It takes, like, three to five hours, depending on which version you're looking at. And just watch it like a movie. That's what I'd recommend. And, yeah, and that's that's it for Tron Evolution. Um, I know it was a lot to listen to, um, but we don't have too much left. We're almost done. We're in the we're in the home stretch here. We have one major entry. We have two things left to talk about. I'm gonna try and get as much done as I can. Just hang in there. And I know you guys are all tired of hearing about Tron, but I appreciate you listening. And for those that just want a little bit more, sorry, <laughs> I can't talk about too much more Tron. There is lots to talk about, but I I I myself am getting burnt out, and I could talk. A dog's ear off about Tron. So, yeah. And now, this message. I'm inside the computer! We must fight the master control program. <gasps> wow, you're the topless girl from Caddyshack! I am Yori. You're Lacey Underall! <laughs> Underalls are stockings. Good pun, Mr. Raymond. Wow, the master control program! Behold, outsider! Behold how high-tech I am! Uh, well, I guess. I mean, it is... Why, it would take nothing short of ping-pong balls to defeat me! Oh, yeah, I forgot how much this part of the game sucked. No, no! Are you some kind of god? I guess. Computers will still rule humans one day. Or at the very least, computers will really annoy humans one day. Just you wait until that annoying kid with a dandruff from high school finds you on Facebook and bugs you to play knockoff Scrabble twice a day. And you'll kind of get hooked on it, and then a legal battle will make them yank the game down just when your scores were really starting to kick ass. And then... Computers, bring on the endless free porn! Your wish is my command. Oh yeah, I forgot. It's 1982. Hey everyone, welcome to Poetry Pause with Nancy Savio Poetry. Thank you for tuning in to this episode. This piece is called Digital Reflections. Hope you enjoy. In an effort to find perfection... I'm going off the grid. I'm done with digital reflections. Who am I trying to kid? We spend our time so consumed with alternate versions of our lives, taking identities better assumed, locking them forever in the archives. We are given a false sense of having any control, obsessed with like counts and comments, countless hours we mindlessly scroll. We strive for an appearance that's high above the rest, this social media adherence in an attempt to prove we're the best. You think you have power over this, but really, it overpowers you, with all the anxiety it brings of what caption and sticker will do. At the fear of becoming a drone, I've grown quite sick of it all. We spend so long on our cell phones without ever making a call. It's time to unlock the chains of hotspots and Wi-Fi and live what little life remains with open and unfiltered eyes.
Deep inside a computer exists the grid, a digital world where programs live in peace. Attention programs, you are now volunteering for the game. Until now. Back! Back! I had to do something. This June, you're no Tron. You're not the battle for the grid. You can't save them all. Begin Tron Uprising, a brand new animated series premieres this June. What are you looking for? The next Tron. Now, back to our program. Which leaves us with Tron Uprising. Tron Uprising is literally the crown jewel of the entire franchise, and I'll fight anybody who says otherwise. And it's the last main part that we'll touch on in this very long-winded trilogy of Tron episodes. The animation is crisp, and it's gorgeous, and it's bright and beautiful and the world just seems so alive it's this like just uh, like masterful blend of like 3d and 2d animation and it's got like a pretty good cast especially for like a tv show like an animated tv show it's got the voices of elijah wood bruce boxletner mandy moore lance henriksen paul rubens and basically the story here is kind of similar like to Batman Beyond, which is like a plus because I love Batman Beyond. It was one of my favorite shows as a kid. I bought like the box set, like the big expensive box set, the DVD box set when I was in university, cleaned through that in like a week, just watched the whole thing. Even bought the Blu-ray, like Return of the Joker. Oh, so good. But this basically it. So this the show follows a character named Beck, and Beck is voiced by Elijah Wood. And he is just a, a normal program. Um, he's like a mechanic in Argon City. So this show doesn't take place in Tron City. Uh, hopefully, if you'll remember from my last episode, I talked about how there's lots of different cities, um, just like how like Tron Evolution had a different city in it. And basically, um, uh, Clue orders that all of these cities. So this, uh, sorry, I'm gonna like I'm a little bit over the all over the place here. So this show takes place very soon after Clue decides to dominate the grid. So he's enforcing his law. It's very fascist feeling, very dictatorship feeling. He's like, he's tightening his grip. He's moving in like troops, like both like guards and like elite guards. And he's like sectioning off areas. He's installing like um, curfews. Um, and he's like, he's basically like saying like, all right, you guys, it, it's very, like it is very fascist. Like the mechanics that were like working on like racers are like, all right, now you guys are building tanks or you're fixing tanks or you're, fixing like uh, light jets, you know, that sort of thing. And so uh, Beck is playing with his friend Bodhi and they're like, they're doing like uh, games. They have like their like light armor on and they're just like playing like a fun like thing of like like disc battle, I guess. When um, the, the guards come and they're like, your game's over, they put a fence down and then Bodhi's like, hey, you can't do this. And all of a sudden like literally gets smashed like for like a, a it's okay. So this show is like a kid's show, but it's like made for adults. It's like a good old school nineties cartoon where it's like, anybody can watch this. And like, you're maybe five minutes in and then all of a sudden like smash, like literally kills his friend, just like that. Boom to rest. And then like Beck's like, this, that's not fair, right? Like this isn't fair. So then he, he basically like decides like he is going to mess with like, um, clues rule. And the one who's put in charge of Argon city is general Tesla. And, uh, yeah, and then basically he's like hunted down by this like this elite like um, guard and he, he goes like all the way trying to like evade this guy and then he's captured and he won't rat out anybody and he says he worked alone and uh, he's not going to stop and yada yada and then you see the big reveal that elite guard like 
like all of his like his 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 outfits like changing with like pixels or like moving around and it's like bright white with a massive t and he's just like it's tron and he's just like i was hoping you would be the neutron and you're like holy hell so this like this whole this whole show again why do i do this like i'm assuming you guys have seen batman beyond it's basically like the classic story of like the once great like person in batman beyond was bruce wayne and this one is tron who is like weak or old and they're like all right i'm gonna train this new spunky kid who's like he's not right for the job but god damn it if he doesn't have heart and i'm gonna train him and he's gonna be the new me he's not gonna be quite as good as me but he's gonna bring something fresh to it you know that that kind of thing <laughs> i'm sure that's not what they're thinking but that's definitely what the story boils down to and so um beck becomes the renegade where in batman beyond terry mcginnis well okay if you're like looking at like justice league unlimited he's like his son but that's a huge spoiler um but he's just a normal kid and bruce wayne trains him he's just like a, a bar fighter like he has no like skills other than like some acrobat stuff um and the, but anyways we're talking about tron so um beck has this like um device that he uses as, as a mechanic and it can like reroute like machines like turn them on fix them uh change the color and he does that with like his 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 like outfit his like suit um so he can like change it so that it looks like a t um so he becomes the renegade and the, everybody's like tron like i thought he was dead and he's like inspiring hope while also like fighting back um against the um i guess he is the resistance he's like one of the he's not he doesn't start it there's definitely already resistance around but he definitely like brings resistance more to the forefront of like public eye which is like a really great thing but let's pump the brakes there for a little bit uh just to talk about a little bit of the production details that went behind tron uprising the show premiered on uh, june 7 2012 which is uh like roughly about two years after tron legacy uh came out into theaters it was directed by Charlie Bean. As far as I know, Charlie Bean, as in like Lima Bean, he directed like every single episode of this. Uh, I think 12-part show. Might, might have been 14 episodes. Let's take a little peek here. By the way, I'm totally cheating. I'm on a website. I didn't write anything down for this one. Um, wow, never mind. So if I remember correctly, it was originally supposed to be like a 10-part or an 8-part miniseries, and it looks like here that there was 19 episodes. Uh, so it's pretty crazy. Uh, it was also produced with Edward Cadis and Adam Horowitz, which were the two writers uh, for Tron Legacy. Um, I think they also like did some consulting for Tron Evolution. They're the two guys that did Once Upon a Time, which on a side note, uh, that's basically why I watched that show for the longest time. There's tons of like Tron, like Easter eggs and like illusions in the show. Very, very cool. Um, and kind of a cool side note, the show uh, was not renewed, sadly. Um, that's not really cool <laughs> at the end of the first season. But here's the cool part. There was actually never an official uh, cancellation announcement that was actually made by Disney. So technically, it's just on a very long hiatus. That's what a lot of fans, including myself, choose to believe. Um, I remember when um, I first saw, like I, I heard there was going to be a show. I didn't know it was going to be animated at the time. But I remember uh, when I got the Blu-ray for Tron Legacy, like I, I said in a previous episode, I got like the super mega one. It was like the one at one package shy of being like the biggest one they had. It was like five discs. And it came with the actual promo for this, like the five or 10 minute like promo for Tron Uprising. It was like very um, aesthetically, it was similar, um, but there's just some like, you know, costume changes. Some of like the designs were a little altered. 
Um, but it was so, so cool. They got everything right. All the things that needed to be exaggerated were exaggerated. And it was announced as like, as I was saying, like as a little, as a mini series, which was like very cool. Like give me like hour episodes, great. But what they did instead was they just kind of divided it, added some filler and they like gave us 19 like amazing episodes. So this is kind of like the little intro that is given at the beginning of that. It's also, I think at the very first episode, it's very cool. If you ever just want to watch that, I was going to put it in the, uh, in this episode, but it's kind of long and you kind of have to see it to really experience it like to get the full effect. I mean, but I'm going to read, um, some of this here. It's uh, hidden away inside a computer exists another world. Its creator designed it for games, but it became so much more. He called it the grid. A digital utopia filled with infinite possibilities. He built a digital copy of himself named Clue. I can, you probably know where this is going. Uh, to create the perfect system. And he relied on the hero, Tron, to keep it free for all programs who lived there. But in his thirst for power, as we found out, Clue betrayed his creator, who was Flynn. Uh, Tron fought back, but Clue was too powerful and left him for dead. Clue dispatched his armies, and he seized absolute control, as we see in Tron Legacy. Now, in a far-off corner of the grid... A young program decides Clue must be stopped. His name is Beck. Could he be the next Tron? And that was the very period. <laughs> that was the very um, beginning to the very first episode. Very chilling, very cool. Especially when it's like, could he be the next Tron? You see like all of the illumination, like all of the, the neon, like, like streaming up and it's like forming like a T. And then when he says next Tron, boom, like the T, like it lights up. Very, very cool. Um, so yeah, this as I said, it is a kid's show, but it's like, it's very old school. Like I was saying that it's designed for both like adults and kids. And ultimately I think that's what Disney didn't like about the show is that like, it wasn't making like Disney money. It wasn't attracting the audience that they were trying to attract. And I mean, like when you have like Cartoon Network and like Nickelodeon and uh, I don't know, actually I have no idea who makes kids TV shows these days, maybe Netflix. It just wasn't attracting the same audience for like toys. It wasn't attracting the same audience for uh, commercials or, you know. So eventually what Disney did, and this is nothing to do with the show anymore. This is strictly talking like numbers here, is they moved the show. So instead of being on at like Tuesday at like 3 o'clock or 4 o'clock or 6, it was like moved to like a death hour, like Friday night or, or what, what did they move it to? It was like Thursday night at 10. Then they moved it to like Friday night at midnight and then they moved it to like Sunday night at 2 a.m. or something. So they didn't actually cancel it, but they did everything in their power to move it so that the viewer numbers would go down so that they'd be like, oh, look, look at how poop the numbers are. I guess we have to cancel it. Shoot, we have no choice. And, you know, a lot of TV studios and TV networks, they do that when they're they're tired of a show or they don't want a show to succeed. Like, let's say, for example, President A gives showrunner um the AOK to like run a show and then president a is like ousted from the company and president B comes on, even though they have a contract that says, yeah, we gave you the go ahead for like season one and season two. Well, what we're going to do is we're going to shove your show into like a, a death slot, like a kill slot and that nobody's going to watch it on like a Friday at like 10 o'clock or something. And like, oops, there goes your numbers. Now you have like a fifth or an eighth of what you were originally getting. Ah, we just can't afford to keep you on. They do it all the time and they definitely did it to this show. Uh, as far as I even remember, the last episode, or the last two episodes even maybe, they only aired them like once, and they only got aired in like America. Like everywhere, uh, wow. everywhere else didn't even get them. You had to watch them either A, illegally, which um, most people did, uh, or B, you had to buy it on iTunes. It wasn't until 
Um, Disney made a deal actually with Netflix to release Tron Uprising as like whole um, onto their platform. And even then it only stayed on for a year. So as it is now, there's no Blu-ray for this. There's no DVD for this. You can buy it on iTunes. You can buy it, I think, on Amazon. But that's it. You can't watch it legally anywhere else. And that's honestly kind of a like a downer. Hopefully when Disney Plus comes around, yes, I know, it's another streaming service we'll all have to like subscribe to, but hopefully it's on there. Hopefully they make more stuff. Because um, honestly, even if we didn't get another movie, even like a live action show, even another animated show, another game, anything would be great. Just anything that just says, hey, we care. Um, but back to the show, um, there's a lot of stuff in here that's a little weird, um, even even for me, uh, like there's guns. Uh, in a couple episodes, there's like, uh, I don't know what they are, like light guns. I don't know. They're like sniper rifles. It's very weird, especially in like a universe where there's only like staffs and like the discs, right? And I, it always, it was a little weird for me. Then there's also cars, like light roadsters and stuff like that. Uh, this stuff's a little weird. It was already pushing it when they had like the... Um, Oh, what are they called? The light runners in Tron Legacy. Like I let it slide because it was kind of cool, you know, like here's a new vehicle. Here's something that you haven't seen before. But when here's something that's like, let's just let's I don't know. That'd be like, I don't know. It would be like introducing like two new magical things in like Harry Potter, like other than wands. Like, yeah, you can like cast spells with wands. But did you know you could also like cast spells with like magical cups or like cast spells with like, I don't know, like with like a with like a. I don't know. I don't know. Like a magical gun. Like it doesn't, I, it was like, why? But again, that's nitpicking stuff. That's, that's literally, it, it doesn't add or subtract from the show in any way. Um, but there, there's like some cool characters. Like um, Paige is like a really cool character. Again, I know like you gotta, you guys now have to watch Batman Beyond, but jumping back to like Batman Beyond, but it's basically like having like the heroine or not the heroine it's like having the hero like f fall in love with like the bad guy who's like a girl right like i see the good in you you don't know who i am it's like the fact that we're like so evenly matched means that we have an attraction it's like it's kind of similar even to like um, spider-man and black cat even but like Paige is like one of tesla's like number ones or number twos i guess um and she and she like she is for um she is for like clues rule like everything needs to follow order what we're doing is like for the good thing like I, I isos were like the worst and like basics like we're like helping you like that's her mindset and she like doesn't put up with any snuff and there's like um there's another character um ba -da 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 -da, da -da 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 -da. sorry again i am cheating uh paddle pavel He's, he's played by uh, Paul Rubens, um, Paul Rubens, great voice actor, Pee Wee Herman. Um, and he's kind of like the slimy one, you know, like he wants to um, basically like sneak out, like not sneak out, but like go pull the rug out from Tesla and like become number one. He's like power hungry. He'll do whatever it takes to like set up page. He'll do whatever it takes to like make Tesla like um, kind of uh, look terrible, I guess. Um, so there's like a cool couple cool dynamics there. Like the show is fairly layered for again, like air quotes here, kids show. Um, but the one really cool thing here, um, the very cool thing that um, is worth noting again. Oh, before I even jump into that, a couple things here actually. Hang in there with me. Hang in there with me. So this this um, show takes place in Argon City. Um, 
and this was done um, partly because it didn't want to to basically to avoid direct conflict of the events portrayed in both like movies, video games, graphic novels, everything basically I've been talking about. Um, so it's far, far away, evidently, from Tron City. In the show, um, they refer fairly often to the ISO Wars, which I hadn't really seen or heard of, but I guess that's kind of like a kid-friendly way of saying, like, you remember when we purged, like, an entire, like, race of people, aka genocide? I guess the ISO Wars makes it sound more even, less evil. Right before I get into the quote-unquote cool part, this, again, clues coup. This is like the scene that like divides all Tron fans for more or less. Um, so the scene is revisited in Legacy and Evolution and Betrayal. Um, uh, and it's again portrayed in Uprising with two major changes. Tron wore his white suit rather than his black one. Oh my God, like the whole world spinning upside down. That's basically what Tron fans are like. Like basically it could be like, his suit was white and not black, non-canon. That's basically what it boils down to. So, which itself has more visible circuits in evolution uh, than it does in Legacy. Oh my goodness. Um, and Dyson uh, and at least nine black guards attack Tron rather than the usual team of four shown in all of the previous accounts. Dyson is a very cool character. He was like Tron's number one. He gets hurt defending the ISOs and he like basically turns to Clue, who Clue, um, as you'll remember uh, in volume two, I talked about he uh, has the power to repurpose and so when he repurpose he makes you whole again and he is no longer scarred and basically he is like tron's judas and gives the go-ahead to kill tron uh, he was the one holding it back and then now he is the one who is basically in charge of that so here we go hang in there this is tron's fate in this show and this is from tronfandom.com wiki slash tron uprising again cheating here hang in there with me the series builds up on um, the background of story of tron particularly between the experiences between evolution and legacy uh, we get a bunch of uh flashbacks um he, basically like tron's weak he's like scarred like to bits like his face is barely, barely holding together his his body his arms they all have like huge scars you can just see like burnt out like pixels and voxels in him and he has to constantly go in like a healing chamber kind of like darth vader like he's like he's top tier but like for an hour and then he's like i'm weak right so he constantly has to do that um and so the series establishes that tron was indeed injured with the fight with clue he wasn't killed um, but was able to escape relatively intact although weakened and suffering from those wounds um legacy has it has us believe as audience members because they focused a lot on the effects which i don't blame them for it's a beautiful movie it's one of my favorites but it folks it didn't really give us a lot of background aside from like how fling got stuck there it really doesn't touch on a lot of things it's just that tron quote-unquote dies and now he's Rinsler. So it doesn't really show you how that happens or why that happens, but but here it shows you he didn't die. He escaped, even though he was like brutally injured. Uh, so he goes into hiding. Tron uh, reverts to an elaborate white suit, white circuit design, and color scheme reminiscent of his days on the original grit. No more black suit with a little T. He's like in the show. He's like straight up white and neon blue. He looks like Jesus um, to me. <laughs> um, but in the in the pilot, his look between uh, switches between the one he had um, in in Legacy and the one he has now. It's not really important. I know, especially a lot of you who couldn't care about Tron, it's not really big detail. But it's kind of weird that they switched it. But I'm all for it. And so basically, the end of the show, it has um, that Tron and Beck 
there's lots of cool stuff in here. I could talk about this for a long time, but we've already been going for quite a while, so I'll just sum it up here. Beck is known as the Renegade. Um, he basically like totes around as Tron, even though everybody thinks Tron's dead, but he's bringing back hope, yada yada. And Tron is going to die. He's literally going to die, and his only, um, basically the only way he, they could salvage him is on this like giant recognizer. There's like a tube that um, repurposes, and when it repurposes, it makes you completely whole, but it's brand new, and I guess Tron sees some sort of flaw in it, yada yada, so they go in there, and Tron's like, okay, back, like, we're gonna get in here, we're gonna convert me to be, like, evil, like, we're gonna repurpose me, but at the last minute, you're gonna have to hit this switch so that it stops, and that way I'll be healed, but I'll still be me, and uh, they get there, and they, and then they're, I think they're cut off by, like, Pavel, or General Tesla, or something like that, somebody bad, and it seems that Beck didn't get him in time and that like Tron is like gonna kill Beck and he's like, I got him, blah, blah, blah. And then he like winks or whatever. And you're like, you slide dog, you. And uh, they destroy the ship, they get out. And then it's like, it looks like the resistance has started. And then like Tron says something like akin to, but the fight isn't over yet or yada, yada. And you're like, oh, hell yeah. What else is gonna happen? And then it's canceled. And that's it. Such a bitter taste in like everybody's mouth. Um, but that's it. That's that's where they chose to end it on. High notes here. The music in this show is fantastic. Joseph Trapanese did the music by himself for the show. Um, there's tons of really great remixes for it. Definitely, if you love like the Tron Legacy soundtrack, pick this one up. Full of like beauties. Lots of gems on here. Um, and the show is beautiful. If I had to describe it, it's kind of like... Mm, what is it like? It's kind of like... It's kind of like, if you've ever seen, it's kind of like Aeon Flux mixed with a little bit of like Samurai Jack, but like it's got that 3D animation in it, so it's very nice. It's, it's kind of like got that Japanese flavor to it. But yeah, definitely kind of like Aeon Flux. It's very, very nice. It's beautiful, beautiful show to watch at. And I, I honestly, I find myself kind of like coming back to that more than I do to Tron Legacy. Yeah, as I said, there was never an official cancellation, but Disney definitely did not want it on there. Their, show, their channel anymore, and that was it. Um, never got an official release. That's it. That's it, guys. Uh, that was the last big hurrah for the Tron franchise. Um, but before I close, I do have one more thing. It's not going to take a lot of your time. I really just want to get it out of the way here. And it's kind of like the last swan song for the Tron franchise. And that would be Tron Runner. It's spelled Tron r-u-n slash r um it's basically a, a running game it capitalized off the success of like one of those like temple run type games um but it is beautiful it's it's there's a lot here that is really great and i feel bad for the people that are terrible at these games because it, it is beautiful it's got tons and tons and tons of fan service there's really and it's just nitpicky stuff like there's maybe two things that i would have added in the game otherwise it has everything. So I'm just going to talk about this very, very quick. Um, the game is beautiful. Like it's polished. Everything looks, feels right. All the sounds feel good. All like all the lighting feels right. It's got music by Giorgio Moroder, which is like the father, the father of like techno, the father of like keyboard anthems. Like look him up. It's G-I-O-R-G-I-O-M-O-R-O-D-E-R. He is like every single song from like the 70s 80s even a little bit 90s that is like keyboard heavy you're like oh good it's so good oh my goodness just making i'm just like oh like but like 
seriously when you listen to him it's like mm, delish um so there's like 32 levels you have not only do you have running levels like parkour running levels like the temple run style you also have light bike levels and you have like mixture levels plus there was online i'm sure there still is online um and it's just it and it gets difficult it really does um and uh there's tons of remixes all that on there as well by like a bunch of different people and it's got like tons and tons of characters like i said uh tons of like fan service so oh plus dlc which i think is free now so let me just list off the characters here so you have quote unquote male program which is anon from evolution like verbatim the exact same then you have female program which is cora with anon's helmet you have classic tron from 82 you have yori from 82 you have sark from 82 which is like bitchin because you can change all their colors oh it looks so good and for the most part for the most part not a hundred percent but for the most part they all look very accurate uh, you have classic flynn uh, you have legacy clue um, which is upsetting that's one of my nitpicks the only th before i list off the rest of the characters the only other characters i would have included in here would have been like one or two characters from like tron 2.0 maybe jet i would have included sam flynn right and then i would have included regular clue um but anyways that's again that is the most nitpicky thing there is um so there's legacy clue you got Korra, Rinsler. You even have Beck, Mara um, from Tron Uprising. You have a vector suit, which is literally just like a, a polygon looking person. You have Ram, Krom, both from 82. Krom, like literally, he's the guy that you like fight with like, what is that game? Um, Super Ball, Light Ball. The one that I was talking about earlier, the highlight one, that's literally the scene he's in. That's it, Krom. So you have Ram, Krom, you have Gem from Tron Legacy, had like two scenes. I'm glad that she's in there though. Um, then you have Tron from Uprising and Korra from Uprising. That's right, Korra is in Uprising for like, I think it's at least one episode, could be two episodes. Again, I don't know what contract Olivia Wilde signed, but she was in everything. And Garrett Hedlund, nothing. I don't know what happened, but sometimes she phoned it in. Sometimes you could tell she really wanted to be there. Uprising was definitely one of those times you could tell she wanted to be there. Um, but yeah, so her character's in there. You also have Paige, Ada, and General Tesler. So those are all characters from Tron Uprising. So like, it's just an absolute, like, here you go, like a little bon voyage, like a swan song. Here's everything. Light cycles, you've got first generation, second, third, fourth, fifth. You have Korra's light cycle, you have Vector's light cycle, and then you have Beck's light cycle, a modern light cycle, and an armored light cycle tons of stuff tons of stuff it's just like everything you can want it goes from like and the, and the colors are perfect it's like red blue yellow um from like 82 and then when you get like second and third it's like the mcom one that you see in tron legacy like in in flynn's like apartment and then you have like some of the other ones that you see like um on the on the grid during the games and then you have Korra's light cycle beck's light cycle and beck's like it's oh i'm getting ahead of myself here beck's light cycle is more of the cartoony shape and it's longer and it's bulkier um because it was on the show right it's the cartoon and that the shape is almost identical like so much love was put into this game um so, so high-end music lots of fan service the colors the sounds everything's perfect and it was a dlc so it was a bit pricey if i remember correctly it was like 20 bucks to 30 bucks maybe you could get it cheaper now i don't know because disney never really changes their prices and this came out december 10th 2015 so just before 2016, so it's still kind of new. Uh, it came out for PS4, Xbox One, and Microsoft Windows. 
And this was like either the last one or one of the last games that came out by Disney Interactive. Um, you can still download it. I'd recommend it 100%. There is like a huge hidden story like within the game with like voices that you'll hear and people have stitched it all together and it ties like this um, to like the, the whole legacy canon to like the 2.0 canon and you could really get into it, but I am pooched. Um, I'm done. Uh, <laughs> if eventually there might be a Tron volume four, but I, 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 that's it. I'm glad I got that all out of there. It's going to be a long episode because we're still not done yet, but you can take a deep <sighs> with me because there's no more Tron series to talk about currently right now. That's it. That is all the main contenders right there. So thanks so much guys for sticking with me. So just hang tight. I'm going to play a little sound clip here and then we're going to talk about some unsponsored sponsors before we head out. Mom, look, just like the end Sunday's paper. Enter the world of Tron with the Scott Paper Scott Tron Sweepstakes. What can we win? A family vacation for four to Hollywood and Walt Disney Studios where the new movie Tron was created. Fantastic! And thousands of other prizes like in television game consoles plus money-saving coupons. And get a free Tron t-shirt iron-on with the purchase of two participating Scott brands. Look for details on the Scott display at participating stores. All right, guys, so just real quick here. It's been a while since I've actually done this, but I got some unsponsored sponsors for you guys. Now, I do have a lot of movies and things that tie into Tron or part of Tron, um, related to Tron, um, but, you know, I, I've really Troned everything out for a bit. So if there is going to be a Tron episode 4, like I was saying, Volume 4, it's going to be way down the line. I'll talk about a lot of that stuff. But I did have some things that were, like, similar taste to Tron, per se, um, kind of like same kind of a vibe, but completely different story. Uh, and I thought maybe you guys would like to take a take a boo at it, if you will. Um, so the first one here is Aeon Flux. Uh, Aeon Flux, I did mention just, just recently, uh, similar to Tron Uprising, just in style, nothing else. Um, it's an American avant-garde science fiction um, animated film, uh, not film, TV series, but it's, it's very short. Like this, the episodes are like between five and 10 minutes long, very short just more of an art piece than like an actual um, show. There's no filler, it's very quick to the point. The animation is incredibly fluid, very detailed. Um, it came out on MTV of all places, uh, November 30th, 1991, and it aired there until October 10th, 1995. It was experimental, uh, an experimental animation show. As I said, it was a, a serial of like short films. I guess you can kind of all compile them together. Um, and I mean, eventually they made a movie with Charlize Theron. I honestly avoid it at all costs. Not very good. She's not very good. It's not very good. Um, but uh, in total, there's 16 episodes. And as I said, they're very short. Like season one, the episode's clocking at two minutes. There's six of them. Season two, three to five minutes. There's five of them. And season three, 30 minutes with commercials, 10 episodes. That's where you get the real meat and potatoes of that show. Um, it's very weird. Like I said, it is avant-garde. Um, some stuff is like, whoa, but it's like, you'll, you've never seen anything like it. It's basically American anime. Like, I know it's kind of a taboo thing to say, but that's basically what it reminds me of. Speaking of anime, though, if you guys are interested, um, one thing to check out, especially if you guys are a huge fan of the light cycles, all the lights, all the colors, and you let, you, you're digging that cyberpunk um, vibe. If you haven't seen it, shame on you. Um, these next two very much shame on you because they are classics. They're very much the um, 
the welcome wagon, if you will, for anime. This first one being 19, uh, 1988 uh, Akira, which was directed by Katsuhiro Otomo. It's based off of his manga of the same name. He directed the film, he wrote the manga. Can't get too much better than that. And this film had a huge budget. It was the most expensive anime film of its time. That doesn't mean it's good, but they put a lot of money into this. The, and the animation is like, wow, it is like next level. Like you watch anime now, you see where they cut corners and stuff. They reuse cells. They don't fully animate mouths or movements. This, everything is like to the brim. The lighting effects are so cool. That's why I'm recommending it. Like I remember watching for the first time I was in second year university. That sounds right. I was on the first year or second year university and I watched that uh, in like on a big screen and on one of the um, on campus and one of the screening rooms and I was like blown away. I had heard about Akira. I mean, it's one of those movies. It's like even if you've never seen like Dragon Ball Z, for example, you've heard of Dragon Ball Z like you, you've heard of it. And when they all blast off on their bikes and there's like the light trails, you know, like from their like the back of their lights because they're going so fast. And it just it sticks and it feels so palpable and it's 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 something else and it is very cyberpunk. Um, this is like peak anime. Most people know what this is. It's like up there with like as I was saying, Dragon Ball Z. It's up there with Sailor Moon. It's up there with like Astro Boy. It is like one of the most popular animes. Most people will know what this is, even if they don't like anime. They've seen this film. Please watch it. Uh, Funimation put out a great copy of it. I bought. I picked it up fairly cheap a couple of years ago. Um, slipcover and everything brand new sealed it's like 10 bucks 15 bucks you can find this for like a song and it is like the best version it has like all three versions like uh, all three dubs and like it's cleaned up or the original it's, it's basically like a criterion level release go watch that and the second one is ghost in the shell uh 1990 1995 ghost in the shell uh, again another cyberpunk film has nothing to do with Tron, just similar themes, um, similar kind of a feeling. It was directed by Mamoru Oshii, and this was also like a very um, popular film, and it was a very expensive film. Uh, it's widely considered um, one of the greatest anime films of all time. Critics praise the film's visuals, uh, and it, it uses like a unique blend of like cell, cell animation and CGI. I don't know if Akira does this, but I know this this film does, and you can really tell it is it is gorgeous. It's a gorgeous film. Um, and uh, apparently it, it inspired the Wachowskis when they were creating the Matrix, uh, oddly enough. But when you watch it, it's like totally, you can totally get that feel, especially with like the very Asian like fusion vibe, like that late 90s, early 2000s, like Asian thing that the Matrix was running on. It's all there and it's it's got this own feel, its own world of its own. And it's, 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 it's honestly, it's, and it's, it's easy to watch. That's basically what it comes down to. And Flux, not easy to watch, so... Um, but definitely I recommend it because you're, it's something you're going to remember watching, uh, not because like it's scarring or anything, it's just because it's so different, but Akira and Ghost in the Shell, I still remember the first time I watched Akira as if I was, I just left there and that's, we're coming on like six years ago. It was a long time ago. It was phenomenal. Um, and same with Ghost in the Shell. I didn't have such a grand experience watching it. Uh, it was, uh, indoors, um, in a, in a, like a family room area, but like still, like there's a couple scenes in Ghost in the Shell that's just like crystal clear, pure. And I, these movies I've seen once, and I still remember them very, very thoroughly. Especially like every once in a while, my brain will just go Tetsuo, right? Just because of Akira. Which if you haven't seen it, you won't get it. But when you watch it, you'll be like, Nah, I get it. So check out those. Um, and then I have some books. I know I don't read, um, so you're gonna have to just 
trust that I'm making good decisions because I just read that these these fit the bill, if you get what I'm saying. I didn't actually read them. So the first one is called Neuromancer, and that is by William Gibson. Uh, that came out in 1984. Um, so it is the first book of the Sprawl trilogy. There's three novels and one book of short stories. Uh, Neuromancer is possibly the most important work in the cyberpunk canon. It's based in an eroded in American future, and it's the story of Case, who's a burnt out cyber jockey, and Molly, who's a badass cybernetically enhanced bodyguard slash assassin slash courier slash other things, as they dis disinterestedly try to save the world from a megalomaniacal AI computer in cyberspace. The computer wins, but that's actually a good thing. I hope I didn't spoil anything. It sounds great, um, and it sounds very Tron, and it sounds really great. And I mean, if you really like future dark stuff like Blade Runner, if you haven't seen it, 2049 was also like phenomenal, phenomenal. If you listen to um, Lucas McCormick's and uh, our conversation on uh, the two casts, we talk about it like, a, a, a little bit. He basically says like other than Tron Legacy, 2049 is like the creme de la creme, like top tier for him. It is a wonderful film, but they're very different than Tron and very dark cyberpunk, hardcore cyberpunk. I wouldn't totally recommend it. Like people always say, like Blade Runner, like they, you know, they like they fucking and they say like how great it is, but and it is a good movie, but it's not like the peak of like all science fiction films. But definitely check those out if you're interested. They weren't on my list, but now that I'm rambling, they are now. And the second book, this one actually seems the best, is called Snow Crash. Snow, as in like cold rain. Snow Crash uh, by Neil Stevenson, published in 1982. Snow Crash has, without doubt, the best character name ever, evidently, um, named Hero. Uh, he uh, is the protagonist of the novel, and he's a brilliant but idealistic hacker uh, living in, uh, in America, completely run by corporations at this time, where the U.S. government, um, brackets incorporated, so I guess even the government is, is a corporation, is just another franchise uh, operation struggling for relevance. Hero is trying to save cyber, save the cyberspace world from a nasty computer virus that can jump over and infect the human brain once you're inside, reprogramming anyone who's exposed uh, to be a willing slave for a mysterious cult. Ooh. So I thought this one sounded great. And uh, if you guys are like, have a hankering, and like, if you didn't remember in volume one, I recommended Cybernetrics, which I got for Christmas, by the way. Um, the brother's girlfriend bought that for me, I'm pretty sure. I read the first 20 pages fantastic spoof novel so if you haven't go pick that up too cybernetrics but yeah go check out um snow crash that sounds like really good actually and the last thing i was saving this for a potential fourth episode i don't know if i'm going to get to it um but it would be uh, 1983's war games which is the uh, matthew broderick style like led film um that's like the cold war science fiction film basically he is like a master chess player and basically the computer at uh is it nafta nato nato the nato computer is like playing itself and like basically finds like the only way to win is to like lose so he's gonna like nuke the world and uh basically like matthew broderick has to figure out how to not how to basically dismantle disarm this computer this like super computer from like destroying the world and honestly, it is very hardcore MCP vibes from like Tron 1982, the way the computer talks to Matthew Broderick, um, the way everything is just kind of like held the computer, his status is very like Tron in the world, real world. And um, yeah, honestly, I don't know why I didn't recommend this in the, the Tron volume one, but that's it. Yeah, that's that's it for my unsponsored sponsors. As for my sponsors, like I said at the beginning, go check out Mr. Chad Nelson. That's Covmo. 
Kuvmo on the community podcast site, Hacker Public Radio. Please support Hacker Public Radio. They, they could use your donations. And uh, Chad is a great guy. And I, as I've always said, that coin stays on my desk. It's going to stay on my desk forever. I cherish it. Super cherished. Also, <laughs> sorry if that sounded rushed, but like we're way over for time. And I just want to finish this thing because I, I, as I said, I am pooched with Tron. Um, but I, I wanted to get this out here because there's still lots to talk about. And make sure you guys check out Outra Apparel. Um, you know them, you love them. I gave the whole spiel. They make amazing clothes. As I've said in previous podcasts, their sweaters, their hoodies, oh my God. It's one of my favorite sweaters ever. So comfy, so warm. You don't, you feel comfy, you look great. You're never sweaty in it. I don't know how, but like I'm always like this sweaty pig. And when I put that on, nothing. So go check them out at outroapparel.ca. And like any everything you, you buy, 10% goes for mental health and research. So like there, it's a win-win, right? I'll make sure I plug both of these peoples in my um, in my show notes. And I think that finally does it. We are done with Tron for a long time. Thank you all so much for listening. And I'll see you all very soon. And we'll finally be talking about horror. Ooh, very spooky. So stay tuned, everybody. Tyler out. This is boring. I'm going to have to edit some of this out.